Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? there is a war for our souls. We are the prize. Father God, I thank you that you have given us the victory. You've given us truth. You've laid it out in your word. You brought it through the revelation of Jesus Christ, your son, on the earth to proclaim it, to give us an example, to show us how to do it, to live, to love, forgive, and to let go of those justices that Satan is continually using to destroy our lives. I pray for each one who's listening to listen that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your love, your truth, and your forgiveness, because you have given us power over all the power of the enemy, power to bind, to forgive. Lord, I know that we don't understand the great power of forgiveness because we're usually mad and upset, and we want immediate justice. But Father God, I trust you that you will bring justice to each one here who's been severely attacked, insulted, assaulted, offended, by the evil one in the situations in their life. We've all been lied to, stolen from, and left for dead by the evil one. But you have come to pick us up and to bring us into the place of the revelation of your love and your truth. What a contrast, Lord, between love and hatred. Lord God, I thank you now that you give us wisdom as we walk through these pages, as we understand your word, um, and that you would give us divine protection as well this very day. For all that pertains to us and those we love, our families, those who work for us, pray for us, love us, surround us, Lord God, with with protection in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, our our health and safety, in our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, that everything we do will be done as unto you, Lord God. And so we say to you all, welcome to Rescue Radio. Today we're going to be talking about probably one of the most uh, untalked about subjects ever, but is as relevant as the air you breathe. So the question is, are we caught in the law of demonic, demonic reciprocity and the devil's definitions of justice? The question is, what might be going on in our lives? What thievery, what loss, what hatred, what defiling might be going on in our lives? Because we don't know that this is going on. First of all, we're going to talk about demonic reciprocity, getting even the devil's definitions of justice. But before we do that, let's talk about the severe injustice for a second. What happened? The whole earth, world, cosmic universe was tipped upside down when love was challenged by rebellion, hatred, and fear. And that began with Lucifer, as we, are, as we understand it in our, um, through the Bible. <clears throat> and he rejected God's love under the counsel and thought that he could probably do better as God and be God himself. And in upsetting the whole universe, injustice became, and as he took possession and ownership of the earth, injustice, retaliation, brutality, getting even, um, became the law of justice. When Jesus came back down here to show us the way of God, he died on the cross to satisfy the demands of the universal code of justice. He died to give the blood that was required for the blood that had been shed through the sin that had been done. 
the eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood definitions of justice given uh, by the devil were upturned, turned over uh, by God's new um, commandment that you love one another. Let's look at that for just a minute in Matthew and Luke, because I think a lot of you, excuse me, a lot of us are not at peace because we see all the bad things that are happening out there. And, you know, our, our, you know, divine nature, you know, made in the spirit of God to love truth, justice, mercy, purity, goodness, all those things can only take so much of this horrible accusation, these crimes that have been committed, crimes that are being committed blatantly, the diabolical takeover of the earth, which is now in progress, if you have not noticed, and is according to and in fulfillment of scripture and prophecy, which you can find as a comfort if you continue to look to Jesus Christ, because he is not only our righteousness and our peace, but he's also the righteous and just judge. So as you look at Jesus' commandments uh, in Matthew, the, he begins to talk about things like, um, let's, uh, let's see here, Matthew chapter 5. Um, he says in verse 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slap, slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your coat also. And whoever compels you to go one mile with him, go two. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good for those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust. You know, I was thinking the other day, God sends rain on the just and the unjust. God gives the very breath that people breathe, the very breath they use to open their mouth to curse him, to blaspheme him, blaspheme him, and to try to tear down and tear apart his creation. God gives them the strength, the energy, and the breath to do that. Isn't that something? And they don't even recognize that if it wouldn't be for God, they wouldn't even be able to breathe the oxygen that they need to have to curse him. How arrogant and ignorant are we in shaking our fist at God and thinking that we have the last word in any of this? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived by the crookedness, the wickedness, the lies, the intrigue of the of the offerings of Satan, the offerings of this world. Remember when he tempted Jesus to bow down and get, he would give him everything, all these things. Jesus said, <clears throat> get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Him only you shall worship. And so we're tempted with the same temptations. And you're tempted today to pick up an offense, get defensive, be mad, defend yourself, declare your righteousness but I can't declare my righteousness by very active declaring that you're innocent or righteous. You've actually already um, convinced the other person that that very act has made you um, guilty because otherwise why would you be defending yourself? So going on, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you any more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? 
Tax collectors must have been the bad guys in those days, too. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How do we be be perfect? By having a perfect and righteous attitude. Now, what is this law of reciprocity or demonic reciprocity? Well, the devil's idea of justice is basically an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. You did it, you pay. Get even. Get it back. Um, these are all kinds of things we're tempted to do when we get angry. And whenever anything unjust happens to us, there's two things that come out of your mouth. You say, I'm mad because that's wrong, or that's wrong and I'm mad. So in saying those two things, you've actually judged the situation, and you've also um, allowed that situation to trigger in you an anger. You've judged it as wrong, and now it's made you mad, or you've allowed that spirit of injustice to irritate you to the point where you're angry. So injustices have that power to create in us um, that kind of emotional response, hatred, getting even, violence, whatever. And so God says, don't enter into that arena. Judge not, lest you be judged. He says, um, well, obviously, even in the Our Father, the principal main prayer that Jesus gave us, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, praise be to your name. Your kingdom come. Obviously, we want his kingdom. And his kingdom begins in your heart, not in this world. You cannot make the things of this world right. That's God's job. Jesus is coming back to do that very soon. And I would say to you with all serious concern, and um, I believe this is from God, get your personal house in order. Do not have any grudges, animosity, bitterness, hatred in your heart for yourself, against yourself, against God, and against your fellow man. Let Jesus Christ be the complete judge of these matters in your life, and you will find peace, and you will find victory, and you will find justice. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that going to be nice when his will is done on earth? Give us this day our daily bread. That source of bread comes from the Lord. That source of goodness and and provision comes from him. And forgive us our debts or our sins, our trespasses. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. You know, the Bible says here, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty much the bottom line. That is Matthew chapter 5, the very last verse. I'm sorry, that's chapter 6, verse 15, where he says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. God is saying, I will do it for you. I can forgive anything, but you have to forgive first. To forgive, and what that means is you're turning the crime, the injustice that was committed against you over to God. It's not meaning, as some people have been taught, that I've got to just forgive and forget and give it and and get over it. No, it means there was a crime. God is not telling you to become a liar, to deny the truth. God is saying, gather up the offenses, the crimes, the bitterness, the the malicious... um, words, slandering, whatever's been done and said against you, gather it up and give it to the high court of heaven. Present your case to the high court of heaven, the only place where there's a righteous judge left that cannot be assassinated or killed or murdered or manipulated. The righteous judge of all the earth sits there, and he already knows everything. So when you say, I forgive, 
what you're saying actually, in effect, is I turn these crimes over to you, Lord God, and I release this person or myself from the judgments I have made against them or against myself. Many of you are struggling with judgments you think you've made against yourself because you've listened to the imper- the impersonator who says, I'm bad, I'm stupid, I'm a sinner, I'm I'm undone, I don't deserve. You know, Paul said, he says, by the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. And God's grace was not in vain. He knew where he came from. He evidently had, had to let go of the shame, the guilt, um, the self-hatred, the self-condemnation of being deceived by the enemy to kill God's people. And when he came to the revelation of the truth, he was humbled. He was knocked down. Some of us think, if, I'm, if I humble myself, if I repent, if I turn my mind around and allow the truth to, to prevail, I will somehow be, be looked on as weak or uh, become a prey to my enemy. But God says, the bigger man blesses his enemy, prays for those who curse him. This is making you like God because God does this. And God is the ultimate judge. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you do not forgive your, you know, those who trespass against you, and why did they trespass against you? Why did they become so vehement against your life? Because they did not know you. They did not love you. They did not treasure your life. They wanted justice more than they wanted anything. And in their desire to get justice, Satan gave them the law of reciprocity or revenge, getting even, making it right, taking matters into your own hands. Lead us not into temptation. I think the biggest temptation that we're tempted to, to walk into is holding grudges, being bitter, gossiping, trying to make things right, trying to uh, declare our and proclaim our own righteousness, trying to get uh, people to do what we want, manipulating them. That's the temptation. He said, deliver us from the evil one. Obviously, Jesus Christ knew there was an evil one out there prowling around to talk you into, tempt you into, trick you into believing the lies that somehow you could get justice, somehow that would make your life full of peace. There is no peace on this earth. And you know, when people bring to you this concept of unity and peace and brotherhood and love, using those concepts to manipulate you into endorsing wickedness, unity, Jesus says, I have come to bring a sword. There is going to be a sword until the devil's out of here. So any kind of contrived unity or ecumenical unities and bringing various predispositions and faiths together to all declare there's one God and throwing all the gods in the same melting pot, et cetera, et cetera. God says, I am God. There's one God, one true God. The rest are impersonators, demons, liars, devils. Do not be deceived my brethren. That's what he's saying. Don't be deceived because there's a lot of stuff out there we make judgments about. And when you make a judgment about something, you are determining its validity or its correctness. And most of the time we're making judgments based on hurt, past experiences, um, and wounds, emotional wounds and pain, opinions. We're making our judgments based on feelings, based on experiences based on the soul, based on the body of death operating software and not walking in the spirit. Jesus could have done the same thing hanging on the cross. He could have said, you know, this hurts. Look what they did to me. I gave them everything. I healed them of their diseases. I fed them food. I, you know, told them the truth, Lord God. I I was I, I gave myself for them. 
And here, here I am. This is what I get. So therefore, God, you judge them. He said, Father, forgive them. If Jesus would have prayed to God the Father to judge us on that, at that moment, he would have sinned. He, would have, he knew what was in man, and he was not needing that anyone warn him about man. John chapter 2 of the Gospel of John. He knew what was in us. He knew the, the battle, the fight. He knew the ways, the wily ways of the devil, and that none of us are a match really for him. So he just said, you guys, turn it over to God. Present your case. Forgive him. Turn the crimes over and ask God for justice. How many of you do that in a situation? You really come before the court of heaven and you say, God, here's the deal. They sinned against me. They ripped me off. They lied. They controlled. They stole from me. They listened to the devil. The devil who told them how to manipulate, control, and destroy my reputation, my life, my family. Everybody's turned against me. Here it is, Lord God. I can't do anything about it except ask you to have mercy on me and on them. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because we are no match for the devil. Now, I know you say, well, she just doesn't have anybody ever do anything mean to her. And she's got nothing to you know, forgive anybody for. Well, you just don't have any idea. But if you want to talk to me about that, I'd love to have you talk. We're, we haven't heard from any of you for a long time. And our number is 347-215-8051. 347-215-8051. And so I'm just going to talk a little bit more about this judge judging thing. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you again. So if you're stingy, you're hoarding, you're afraid, you're keeping things for yourself, not being willing to give, not being like God, not believing love is limitless, you've got to take what you can take when you can get it, that is not, that's the same measure that God's going to use to measure back to you because you've given him that measure. If you haven't given him what he needs to forgive you, which means to forgive others, he, he's already on, he told you he can't do it. He can't forgive you. So is any of what you're going through right now, bottom line, is any of it worth going to hell over? The hatred, the contempt, the desire to see revenge, get even? Is it worth you spending eternity in hell? You say, oh, I don't believe I'll go to hell. Well, you don't know that. I'm not saying you will either. But I am saying God says what he says, and he doesn't mince his words. He says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Hmm. Because you have the plank in your eye, you can't see it. It's, you guys, this is serious stuff. You're not your own judge. Paul says, I do not judge my own self. God is the judge in First Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. You know, we're judging everybody. That's not why we're put on the earth, to judge one another. We're here, it says, actually, to love one another. All the law is fulfilled in this that you love. That means there has to be an element of forgiveness because everybody is going to fall for lies, tell lies, make mistakes, and hurt somebody. Hurt somebody. So Paul says here in First First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. There. You have your identity and your job description. Servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries. That's your job. The rest of it, do not be pulled into the fray. Do not be caught in this frivolous and very diabolical um, conflict that Satan puts up all around you to get you annoyed, upset, um, deceived, and pulled into a fight that is not yours. 
But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. Do you know how many people are living their whole life being afraid of being judged by someone else, by trying to win someone's approval? They've changed their whole identity. They've denied themselves. They've denied their relationship with Jesus Christ in walking in the fullness of that loyal service to him as stewards of the mysteries of God to be afraid of what someone might think or say if they should follow God. They're worried. They're afraid. They're not being real with themselves. They're afraid of being... Why have you given another person or any group of people the power to control you when they have no power to save you? They have no power to stand before God with you on Judgment Day when you have to give account to yourself. They will not be your legal defense or counsel. They will not be able to give or put in a good word for you at all. So why do you depend on them now and look for their approval and their blessing so that you will be accepted and loved? Do you not believe that God already loves us? He already loves you, so why do you need the love of another? You need to give love to another person. You don't need to get their love. You need to give God's love, love. All the laws fulfilled in this that you love one another. And hopefully along the way you'll find a few people who also believe that and they'll love you. But in the meantime, you need to be comforted and full and satisfied with the love of God and faith in his faithfulness to be a righteous judge, to fix all these wrong things so that you don't spend your whole life being angry and upset and bitter and separated and full of conflict and hatred and lose out on the very most important things God has for you in your life, which is peace, love, and good relationships. So Paul says, in fact, I do not even judge myself. Okay, how many of us are judging our behavior? Because we're still thinking it's about performance. I've got to be good. I've got to do it right. got to make God happy. God is already happy. I think most of you, your whole gospel has been a counterfeited, tipped upside down lie. You need to go back to the real book. Get the right translation and start reading it for yourself. Stop listening to your priest, your prophet, your pastor. Listen to the Lord God and the Spirit of God which dwells in you. And don't second guess and say, well, that's just me, or I already know that. Well, yes, you should already know that because the Spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit. So don't discount it as something that's not true because it's already been confirmed in you by the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, that is walking in the Spirit, receiving the counsel of God. Then he says, I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Are you afraid to be judged by the Lord? Are you afraid to stand up and show up at the, at the judgment seat? Are you afraid? If you're afraid, for whatever reason, to come before God, then there's still fear in your heart. That should not be a day of fear. That should be a day of great uh, looking forward to uh, the revelation, the completion of that revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you're afraid to come before God, then ask him why. What is the lie fear is telling you about him, about you, about the world around you, about your righteousness? Your righteousness has been completely satisfied in Jesus Christ. It cannot be added to by any good works, but it can be only insulted. You can insult the cross of Jesus Christ by thinking you have to, to perform. Many of you have been lied to by the denominations, the churches, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the words of the book have been so maligned and they've been so edited, they have been so rewritten, they have been so convoluted, they have been so uh, doctored up by the devil himself that for most, we thank God for the, the, that the book remains, 
the Holy Word of God, which there are many books that have that printed on their cover, the Holy Bible. But many nowadays don't even need that. They go with other names and titles that are more catchy and more flattering and more uh, contemporary. But the Holy Bible, the Holy Word of God that comes from the scripts written, the testifying, the testaments written by the great men of God, the apostles, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, the words, the true words of teaching, they are not lost forever. They are still here. Ask the Lord to direct you to them because you need them. Therefore, he says, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, and then each one's praise will come from God. He says, judge not, and you shall not be judged, in Luke. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. That's Luke chapter 6, verse 36. I'll read 6, 36 and 37. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. 35. Love your enemies, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be sons of the highest, for he is kind. Believe that. Do you believe that? That if you love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, do you believe that your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the highest? If you believe that, you will do that. If you don't believe that, you, won't, you, you don't believe that God is going to reward you, God is the righteous judge, God is going to make it fair, then you won't do that. But if God doesn't do what God says and God said that he's going to do this, then God is a liar. If you've called God a liar because, and then you don't do what he says because you don't believe him, you don't believe he will, your reward will be great, you don't believe that you'll be called the son of the highest, then you'll take matters into your own hands. And when you take matters into your own hands, you've committed the exact same sin the devil has. Now, what do you want to do about that? Therefore, be merciful. You have no other options. If you want mercy, you have to give mercy. Does that mean I just got to let it all go and whatever bad thing they did, just they get by with it? Well, yeah, they get by with it, but they pay a heavy penalty for getting by with it. They get more deceived. They get more lied to. They get more bound up. They get more blood guilt in their bloodlines. Their generations suffer. It just goes worse and worse. You can stop that vicious cycle. So let's look at that for a minute. When Jesus, last time I talked to you about two weeks ago, Jesus died on the cross and the final words, his his final words were, um, You know, he knew we were brought forth in iniquity. He knew that in sin our mothers conceived us. He knew that we were born into a snake pit. He knew the devil was going to work to psychologically trick and recondition us to believe lies using the experiences that the devil set up purposefully in our life to indoctrinate us, to brainwash us. Jesus knew all of that. He knew there was no way out of the snake pit except for him him to come and make a way. He knew that. He knew we couldn't die for ourselves. He knew we'd be killed, but we couldn't die for ourselves, and our death wouldn't wouldn't account to anything. He knew all that when he said on the cross, it is finished. The battle, the debt, the debt was now paid in full. So from that point on, from the cross on, whoever would come to the cross, come to him, accept his death as payment for their sins, and, 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 and him dying on their behalf and in their place, they were free from the demonic obligations that sin demanded of them. The sin of, it's, you know, it's my fault, therefore I need to be punished. I'm, uh, guilt says I'm bad, I'm guilty, I sinned, therefore 
I need to be punished. I deserve to be punished. I don't deserve good things. God wanted to wipe out, it says in Colossians, the handwriting uh, of indictments that was against us. He wiped that out. He wiped the slate clean. He not only canceled our debt, but he also put grace into our bank account. So not only were we, you know, in bankruptcy and foreclosure and lost and in jeopardy of losing everything, he also put millions of dollars worth of grace into your account so that you can now live as Christ has called you to live. So let's look for a minute at what happens when you don't forgive, at those patterns of demonic judgment. The law of demonic reciprocity allows the devil to set up in our lives patterns of demonic judgment, which mean you become part of his automatic payment plan. You pay for everything. You think the devil gives you a favor, it's like buying on credit. You're going to have to pay for it. And he actually has Christians paying for things over and over and over that there's no debt obligation to it already. And and Jesus has already paid it, but they don't know that. And so they're still on Satan's automatic payment plan. And so to continue, he wants to do this to continue to convince you that you are not free, that God's work on the cross didn't work, didn't finish anything, because he wants the devil wants to continue to replicate that pain, trauma, separation, bitterness, bad things happening um, to us, even though we belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has become our new owner. We've transferred ownership through salvation, through being born again, dying to the old life, coming born again in the new kingdom, in the kingdom of God. But Satan isn't convinced that that we're convinced. And so he's going to continue to press us uh, to pay for our own sins, doing penance, feeling bad, feeling obligated, having to do certain rituals and sacraments and sacrifices. And, and, and I mean, he's got the whole world locked up in this goofy religion stuff, thinking that, you know, the, the re- true religion before God is this, that you love God, honor, you know, take care of the widows, the orphans, um, love your brothers, love your sisters, love your enemies, do good. That's that's true religion, not going to church, going to penance, uh, going to confession, um, saying our fathers, rosaries, masses, and uh, beating yourself regularly, or staying up all night and praying in a prayer room until you're sleep deprived and exhausted and and and, and emotionally, you know, feeling the presence of God and, and and really it's not the presence of God. You're emotionally being manipulated by Satan. All these kinds of things don't bring peace. They bring stress, striving. Uh, and 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 fear because you're not resting in the perfect the, the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're not resting in His peace. You're not trusting in His goodness. You're freaking out. Get your house in order. Get back down to the goodness of God, the peace of God, the grace of God. Forgive yourself and love one another. Jesus Christ is soon to return, and I tell you what, I don't know when, but I would say I'm kind of old. But I would say I might see his return, physical, actually return to the earth. And I'm going to participate in it, whether I'm here or there, because he is bringing back a bunch of us to ride with him on white horses, you know. And he's coming soon. You already know that. You know that if you listen to the Lord, because he's not going to come springing this upon us without giving us some warning. He says, I tell my friends what I'm going to do. And so, all right, when Jesus paid it in full, he said that in John 
paid in full. It is finished. He cried that out from the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He didn't say, Father, lay this to their cause. Lay, lay this judgment. Put this judgment against them. Make note of this, God. He said, Father, you forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And truly, you know, most of, many of this human population have been given over to a debased mind. And, and it says in Second Thessalonians that God has sent them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie because they refuse the love of the truth. It says that in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse, um, uh, we'll start with 9. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now let me just comment on that for a second. We are in that moment. We're in that time. It's not something we have to look forward to. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. It's always been that way. You can look at it. You can see it from the generation, the beginning of time. The law, the working of Satan to bring the, his demonic seed, which, you know, God said in, in Genesis, he's going to put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Satan has a seed. That seed was planted on the earth, probably in the time of the Nephilim, and when the, the uh, sons of God had intercourse with the women, the human women, brought forth giants who are now half fallen angel, half God, DNA that was corrupted. Their seed began to work on the earth. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. We know the devil has seed. He's been working through his seed, which lives as tares among the wheat, to corrupt and poison and destroy us, to deceive us, to contaminate us, to put his filth in our hearts and minds. You know, they're blatant now. They're getting very blatant. And they're, they're getting blatant because they realize they can. Because they tested the waters and they found that no one was disturbed. The frog did not jump out of the kettle. And so they're, it's, it's all prophetic. They're blatant. Um, they're putting it in the movies. They're, they're subtly indoctrinating us, infusing into everything we eat, everything we breathe. Is this conspiracy? Is this paranoia? No, not at all. This is the absolute truth. And you know what? I can still know all that and be at peace because I already know what the book says. This is what the book says. And so we don't tell you these things to freak you out or to coerce you into doing something different or doing a right thing or going out and buying uh, a ton of groceries. or what. We're, not do- we're not here to use fear. We're here to comfort you with this, that Jesus Christ said these things were going to happen before he came back. But I'm saying to you, the only thing you can do about any of it is to get your own house in order. That is what is going to matter in the end. Not whether or not you brought this, that person, whatever, to justice. You got back the money you invested or whatever. It's not about that. It is about your soul. It is about you being with Jesus Christ in his kingdom forever. He says, so the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Do you notice? He's going to do power. He's going to have psychic healings. He's going to impress people with, with his ability to deceive. And he is deceiving in the church right now. The church itself is so confused, so driven in apostasy. You, you know, people, some people are seeing it, some people don't want to see it, and some people don't get it at all. But he has come into the church with the, the signs and lying wonders, pretending to be God. He has brought even the presence of God into many churches and people hungry for the presence of God are going to flock there. And Jesus said, do not be deceived. When they say, I'm over here, I'm over there, I'm at this church, that meeting, this conference, do not 
go chasing around. He says, I'm right here. I'm inside of you. You don't have to go over there to get that. Besides, if you go over there, you may not be getting me. You may be getting an impersonation of me. Get your eyes open, people. Ask the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, who's there to lead you into all truth, to check out what you're doing. If Do your spiritual math. If what you are doing reduces down to fear, uh, frustration, um, anxiety, confusion, uh, it's not from heaven. It doesn't go to heaven. It isn't part of heaven. If it reduces down to peace, assurance, love, trust, knowing, it's from God. And your mouth, but what the heart is full of, the mouth speaks. Listen to your mouth, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. And if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, criticisms, condemnations, I, I feel, I think, I don't know, these are not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, doesn't say, I don't know. He doesn't say, I feel. He doesn't say, I think. He, he, he doesn't preface his advice or, or, or revelation of truth to you with a probably, I guess, I think, or a maybe. He knows. And he knows that, you know, we can know stuff. Your mind says you can't know anything because your mind can only think. Because your mind says, this is all I can do is I can think. But we can go beyond thinking by knowing. God wants you to know stuff. He doesn't want you to think it. Because when you think it, you've only thought it and you're not sure of it. And that's full of doubt. So God wants you to know that you can know what you know. So you can say no to the devil. You need to pick up your authority and start walking in the spirit. And stop going back and forth between the spirit and the flesh. The, or, and the spirit. and the, this, the flesh is really defined as the soul and the body, which is corrupted with the body of death operating software from hell that were downloaded into us at the sin in the garden when, t- when Satan took over the world. He down- downloaded his body of death operating software into us. You don't believe it? Go read it. Ro- uh, Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about it. And then, But then when we get saved, we have a new system, a new operating system, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is dwelt, sent to dwell in, dwell in us and lead us in all truth. So we have, going back to Thessalonians, and with all righteous, righteous, I'm sorry, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you know in the contest between God and Satan, Satan will come to God and say, but look, God, they're not believing you. They're not, they're believing me. They've listened to me. They've come over to my side. They're believing these lies and signs and lying wonders. They're believing them, Lord. They, you don't have them. I have them. They belong to me. They love my illusions. They do not love your truth. They did not receive the love of your truth. They do not act in uh, selfless love. They act in selfishness. They belong to me. And so for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion because God permits what he permits because there is because the devil has made his argument. The devil has used evidence that he has planted in your life, getting you to sin and being tricked and never confessing or repenting of it. He uses that evidence to present his case to God about you. And so therefore we have what we call the laws of um, demonic uh, debt, our debt obligations, which were fulfilled. Satan says, ah, yes, but they're listening to me. They don't believe you. And so, the law of de- demonic reciprocity says if they judge others, your word says I get to judge them. So I'm going to judge them with demonic patterns of loss, trauma, uh, because they're following me. And God has, 
He permits it because Satan testing God's workmanship in you. And God allows him to do that because God knows he is able to stand behind his workmanship in us. God has created us to walk in righteousness. God wants to set us free from the patterns of trauma and pain and accusation and loss. That are the consequences of sin. But to do that, we have to follow God and not the devil. So um, to, to strip the devil of any claims he has or rights he has to continue to punish us, you know, we have got to come into a truth, the truth of God. Um, because the devils can continue, because we believe lies, to exact payment from us for our sins. But we, because we don't know or understand, and I think that's a big part of it, that we've been forgiven. Now, so the devil's illegal operations. After you're saved, once you're saved, you're now owned by God. Ownership has been transferred to the kingdom of God. You are now citizens of heaven. But possess has three different meanings in English. Possess, possession. Possess can mean to own, to occupy, or to control. And just because we're now owned by God doesn't mean the devil just deletes his body of death operating software that's been set up inside of us that he's used forever to torment us, to tempt us, to condition us, to get us to believe lies, to control us. And so not only now has has ownership been redefined, I belong to Jesus, but now God goes in to remove the demonic control. It's like getting the rats out of the house. He's coming in to remove that um, operating body of death operating system, the the one built on lies, the one built on fear. But to do that, God must get you to believe the truth. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. God didn't just say that. Jesus didn't just say that for no reason. That is the basic principle of spiritual math. You shall know the truth. If the spiritual math of what you're doing reduces down to fear, it is from hell. If it reduces down to goodness and truth and rest, it's from God. If it, if we, if if this if the um uh, the, the 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 equation you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you're not in freedom, you're in bondage. If you're in bondage, it means you're believing lies, the opposite of truth. Okay, so some of us are still believing that somehow we have to get rid of our own sin or get rid of sin ourselves, and this is where this is the basis of all religions and control. You're afraid you're going to go to hell. Uh, your spiritual controllers and handlers, your religious handlers, tell you this or that that you have to do to be free. But guess what? You have to be perfect. Well, you're never perfect enough. You have to try harder, but it's never enough. You have to be good, but who knows what goodness is? Who defines it? And how do you know when you've received it? And how do you keep it once you've got it? It's impossible. But they, but we're trying to get rid of our own sins and fulfill the debt obligations of our ancestors that were already fulfilled and finished by Jesus Christ. Um, so the devil wants to keep the patterns of loss and pain and trauma uh, active and the consequences of sin active in our lives. Why? Because we are ignorant of his devices. So these are the mechanisms of evil. The curses are the residual demonic judgments suffered by the offspring under the demonic, the law of demonic reciprocity. So when your people, your ancestors, what does that mean? It means that the curses that come down our life, the bad things that happen over and over in a pattern that are passed down that you can see as you look back, they also happen to your parents or your grandparents or whatever. You can see the patterns of the curses. These are the residuals or the leftovers from or the obvious, the evidence 
of the demonic judgments that have uh, been made and are su- being suffered by you under the law of of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Your people believed the lie that they were no good, that they were going to get justice by staying mad, that they were going to have to get even, that they were mad at God because God wasn't there for them. Whatever they believed, whatever lies they believed, if those lies continue to be available to the devil on their death because they didn't confess them or declare the truth, then those lies are what Satan then uses to restart the system in your life, in your life. He gets you to believe the lie. He sets up a circumstance where you're caught in a measure where you are now angry. You have the same thing going on. Your marriage is going the same way. You're suffering from the same entanglements. It is so amazing when people look at and compare what's going on in their life to what went on in their parents or their grandparents. If they if they're honest with themselves, their their jaw usually drops open because I can't believe this. This is exactly what happened to my parents. This is exactly how they treated one another. They hated men. They they were filled with Jezebel. They were filled with control. There were affairs, whatever. And you see it all coming down again. And you say, what? Why? How can I stop this? Will you stop this by telling the truth, by confessing, by repenting, by forgiving, and by turning to God and looking to him to break these demonic judgments that keep coming down your life. You don't have to, you know, sustain them or or be put up with them because you are a new creature in Christ. But if you don't deal with it, the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But if you just let the devil's eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, I've got a right, she, you know, believed the lie, therefore I own her, you know, I can beat her up. Satan doesn't maybe get to take you to hell because you're now belong to God, but he can beat you up so bad in your life on earth that your life on earth is a tragedy. It's a loss. It's a waste because you never knew that you were loved. You never experienced love. You were never brave enough to give love. You can't be a coward and love people. You have to be very brave and you have to be very secure in who you are. So you do not take it personally and pick up a personal offense. Jesus knew who he was. He did not consider himself to be a victim or abused. And all of you who want to be abused out there and be a victim of something, you've just sold your, your identity for, uh, for a lie. You are not a victim. God has called you a victorious one, leading us into all truth and triumph through his Holy Spirit. So if you want to be a victim, you've shortchanged yourself. If you want to be an abuse victim, then you've taken it personal. You're trying to get even. You're trying to cry Poor me, so you get somebody else to get justice for you. You're manipulating others and their systems, the systems that are flawed and corrupted to help you get justice. You're kidding yourself. Grow up. Get out of it. Stop being a victim. Stop being stolen from by the liar who says you're a victim. You're not a victim. And take a hold of your life in the name of Jesus Christ and stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop looking to this world for justice. Stop trying to get even. Forgive that person. Get out of it. Grow up and give yourself over to God. Did that hurt? Or is that liberating? Am I telling you the truth? Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Grow up, love God, love one another, and take your opportunities to love. This is an amazing time we're living in. We'll never run out of opportunities to love and forgive. Forgiveness means you turn the crime over to the high court of heaven. There's lots of crimes in your life. You can spend all day forgiving. Here I am, God, again. I got another crime. Look, at they did this. Here, I'm turning it over to you. All I'm asking in return, and by the way, do ask for something in return. Ask for justice, truth, mercy, the righteousness, the revelation of God, the restoration of your uh, relationship or your 
uh, uh, your reputation, honor, whatever it is. Do not live under the lies and the counsel and the words and the curses of other people. If they're cursing you behind your back, which they probably are because they're jealous of you, because nobody likes anybody, it doesn't seem like, generally speaking, then ask God. You say The Bible says, pray for those who curse you. Say, I pray, Father God, for those who are cursing me today, who are making my life miserable, talking behind my back, gossiping, backbiting. Every single time you speak evil of someone, you are giving words to the devil to use against them to destroy their life. <clears throat> that is without fail. How do I know that? Because God used the word to create the world. He brought the world into existence through words. He gave us words. He gave us power to create. We are made in the image of God. Your words are powerful. Satan has to get us to give him power in order to destroy us. He has got to get you to believe the lie so that he can take that power you've just traded to him by believing the lie. You've submitted to him, come under his counsel, taken his solution. He's now got your power. He's now got your words. He now puts bitterness, the demon of bitterness, in charge of speaking more words out of your mouth that he can use to curse and destroy others, your family, your children, uh, your marriages, whatever. Bless those who curse you. Are you brave enough to do that? Or are you going to be stuck under the mechanisms of evil, cursing everybody that you don't like? Hey, most of those people, they need to be saved if they're people. And don't be kidding yourself. Not everybody out there that's doing all this stuff are human. A lot of them are now what I would call inhuman. They're Gaborim. They've transferred. They've changed. They're not human. God will sort out the wheat from the tares. All you need to know is walking in the truth and do what God says and you will be fine. So when you curse others and you speak evil, those words are used. You can even curse yourself. I'm so stupid. I'm never going to make it. Um, I got out of bed on the wrong side today. I give up, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Nothing seems to matter anymore. I don't matter, blah, blah, blah. You have allowed these words that you've spoken to curse yourself. And Satan will bring. It's like you write out a blank check for the devil and say, here, go cash it. And he drains your account. He takes away all the good things. And murmuring and complaining. Oh, my goodness. Murmuring? What is that? What is complaining? Murmuring and complaining are contemptuous in the sight of God because you're making, you're muttering, you're meditating on evil things, bad things. Um, and, and the Bible says to love one another. Uh, Ephesians, I'm going to go there for a second. I could be preaching at you. Am I preaching at you? Sorry about that. No, I'm not sorry about that. I'm happy about that. He says here um, in Ephesians chapter, uh, let's see, chapter 4. He says, um, I'll just read a little bit of this. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man, which is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Not fake holiness. Okay, there's a fake holiness out there. Therefore, putting away lying. Each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Oh, we're connected. Okay, so when one's getting a cancer, that cancer can spread to all of us through this bitterness. Be angry and do not sin. Oh, I can be mad and not get and not sin. Well, being angry simply means it's an energy, uh, it's a recognition, it's righteous indignation. Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, and he didn't sin. He was just doing. He was, and the reason he didn't sin when he turned over the temple tables in the temple, 
was because he wasn't doing this for himself. He was under the counsel of the will of God. He was doing something the Father wanted him to do, turn over the tables in the temple. Okay, Father, got it. All right. So then he did it. And it was under the direct command of the Holy Spirit. So we can look at things that are bad and and unrighteous and unholy. And boy, you don't have to look too far. And do not sin. Don't take it personal. Don't take it. Make it as your matter of getting justice. Only obey God. And don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So if you've had a big quarrel with somebody at the end of the day, before the end of the day, you need to get it right. You need to confess, humble yourself, ask for forgiveness, or ask them why they did that. Try to get to the root. And if they don't want to talk to you about it, forgive them. By the end of the day, if you need to, if you can't resolve the issue, release it to the high court so you don't have to deal with it. Um, he says, nor give place to the devil, because this is how you give place to the devil, by holding on to grudges, bitterness, anger, quarrels, injustices. You, you let that go overnight, you've just given the devil all night to work on you, to defeat you, destroy you, pull you down. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give who him who needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's your job. Your job is not to pick everything apart and criticize and groan and moan and mumble and murmur. Your job is to thank God and ask God for that person's soul. Ask God to have mercy upon that person or situation, that God will be glorified. And then you won't have to stand before God and try to make an excuse for all the times you murmured, complained, and did not do what he asked you to do. You are. Just, it's just as important that we obey as everybody else, you can, I can look at everybody else. Oh, they're not obeying. They're doing this. They're doing that. We're judging them. But you know what? Take the plank out of your own eye first. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice or loud quarreling. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. There it is again. Forgive, forgive, forgive. That's the whole theme. Love, forgive, and trust. Trust in God. You don't have to trust in one another. You trust in God. Because if you don't, you give the devil opportunity to bring forth his management. He manages your soul and your circumstances and your life. And if you want to be under demonic management, you will have the demonic life patterns going on in your life. What does he use to, pre, uh, to activate these demonic life patterns? Well, let's look at it. There's unconfessed sin. There's the iniquities of your ancestors, the open doors, those curses. There is specific agreements, programmed and agreements and patterns of demonic judgment that you've agreed to. Um, They're set up to operate within the context of your environment to teach you your, your learning. The demonic handlers are teaching you through perceptions, misperceptions, lies, to judge others, to misunderstand situations, um, to allow the devil to get authority over you. And you do it by agreeing with their lies. You do it by not forgiving. You do it by not confessing. See, confessing and repenting and forgiving are the ways God releases us from the demonic traps of snares, lies, words, judgments, being judged. Um, So demonic, the word reciprocity, uh, how that works with iniquity is a life must be given for a life taken. That's, That's even, that's fair. The life of the flesh is in the blood. So therefore, if a life is taken, blood must be given. And of course, we know the sin. Um, Satan is a murderer from the beginning, God said. So the devil is a legalist. 
he's rigid in his judgments, calling an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and demanding a life for a life. This is not God's definition of justice. You think it is. The devil wants you to think it is. That this is God's law, a judgment, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. If that were the case, then God would have never laid down his life to die for us. He would have made us pay for our own sins. This is the devil's insane demands that he puts on God. And this is what God is to work with. So when when Satan put his demands on God to, you know, talking about Cain and that sort of thing, the first situations that came up, um, what happened was, I'm not going to go into it today real far, but, but what happened was Cain killed Abel. Of course, blood was shed. And when the blood was shed, the blood was spilled into the ground. So the ground became the testifier. The, the, God says to, to Cain, he says, Abel's blood cries out to me from the ground. So God already knew it had happened, but now the ground had been violated, contaminated, by the shedding of this blood, was holding the crime, holding the injustice, holding the, the what do you say, the, the horrible, horrible event was being written in the ground um, and testified to the loss of this, of Cain's, uh, of Abel's life and Cain's hatred of him. And so Satan was going to demand, God knew he was going to demand Cain's death. He knew because God knew Satan was going to, was going to bring up the, the eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood thing. And God wasn't quite ready to give Cain up because Cain obviously didn't even know that hitting somebody that hard would kill him because nobody had ever been hit that hard and died. So I don't think he realized that, you know, that blow. I mean, we know now things can kill us, but Cain didn't know that. And so God stepped in and God put a mark on Cain's forehead and says, whoever kills you is in trouble with me. And so, therefore, that kind of the devil from his plan of, you know, demanding that God kill Cain. But God had to do something. So God cursed the ground. The ground would no longer bring forth fruit because Cain was a, a farmer, a gardener. And God says, it will no longer work for you. The ground isn't going to listen to you. It's not going to perform for you. It's not going to bring forth the luscious fruit anymore. And Cain says, well, what am I going to do? That's my identity. That's my livelihood. That's who I am. I'm, I'm a vagabond on the earth. And um, he became, you know, God gave him his freedom, but, it, but his anointing was uh, confiscated, so to speak, by the enemy. Because God had to do something to, to spare Cain's life at this point, so he cursed the ground, and that, and Cain became a fugitive in the earth. But, but when God marked Cain's forehead to protect him, I believe Satan marked his DNA with blood guilt to continue to work to bring this judgment of blood guilt down through the generations. And now, pretty much, everybody's DNA has been marked with blood guilt because we've all sinned and not confessed. We've all failed to forgive. We've all failed to release the crimes to God. We've all failed to walk in the provisions of salvation, sanctification, holiness, authority, power with God. We're all struggling to make everything fair down here, and that's not the job. It's not. God didn't say make everything fair down here. He said love and, love and forgive because everything is never going to be fair down here. It's not our job. It wasn't the Scandinavians' people's job to make everything equal and fair. And because they tried to do that, they lost all kinds of things, including their own uh, strength and ability and 
and ability to know who they are because now they've made it all about judging, judge, 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 all over the place. Judging, being judged, afraid of being judged, and judging. Just a vicious circle of judging. God did not say judge one another. He said do not judge one another. He says, I am the judge. He, you know, you're either going to judge people or you're going to forgive them. What are you going to do? You're going to either do it God's way or the devil's way. And if you do it the devil's way, the demonic life patterns can continue because he says judge not. God's word says judge not. Satan takes God's word back and throws it in his face. And he says, look, they're judging. Therefore, I get to judge them because you said judge not lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you're going to be judged yourself. So Satan is using God's word to bring destruction to us if we choose to not obey God's law. God says, don't judge. God says, forgive. So here's the demonic life patterns, a couple of things in in closing. We need to identify what those lies are, what those patterns were, what the bitternesses were in the judgments against our our mom hated dad, dad hated mom, dad hated his kids, uh, whatever, you know, whatever injustices that you know of in your bloodline. If you start wanting to really start making some spiritual progress in your life, Go back and look at what needs to be forgiven. And you take it to the high court and you say, Father God, I come as the authorized representative of my generational bloodline right now to confess the sin of bitterness, the the sin of stealing, lying, victimization, sexual abuse. I confess it on behalf of my generations. I declare that it is sin. It is an abomination. And I ask you to have mercy on us. I forgive those. I release from my judgment those, though they may be dead, I release them from my judgment, from the judgments they made against each other and themselves. I release them over to the high court and these crimes because God knows that they were tricked. He knows they were set up. He knows we were all set up. God wants to judge these matters. So you present it and then you say, God, I ask for the restoration of mercy and truth and I repent for my own participation in this thing. I change my mind. I declare you are the righteous judge. I do not need to be, bring fairness or justice I'm not going to create injustice, but it's not my job to make things fair and right. It's my job to walk in the truth and to love one another and declare the truth to others. So you, you identify the lies. What were those lies? You bring them forth. You bring um, uh, the, the forgiveness. You bring it before the high court of heaven. You repent and confess your own participation and ask God to forgive you. Now, why does God command or demand that we confess? Because he knows that if you confess, you're forgiven. And if you're forgiven, then Satan's got nothing on you. Satan wants us to think, oh, God just wants us to, to make us feel bad. No, confession. You you know, you don't have to confess it to everybody. You don't have to even take it to a priest. You can confess it to God. That's the first place you need to go and ask God to deliver us. Deliver yourself from blood guilt so the, and from sin and from the accusations of the devil. Because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is already uh, bought and paid for that sin. You are free. If you appropriate the goodness and the love of the forgiveness of God to that place, you are free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's the truth. Now, I know today I've talked to you about some things that I hope you understand. God, I pray that they understand. God, we, keep, we don't have time anymore to be stupid about this stuff. We don't have any time to be taken in by demonic judgments and be all tangled up in, in the, his justice and laws of reciprocity and trying to make things fair and right. We, we must, must throw off all of those things and bring them to you, Lord God, and walk in the fullness of your truth. It doesn't matter, guys, how other people are walking, whether they believe or don't believe you, whether they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. That's not your job. Your job is you. 
to walk in the righteousness and the truth of Jesus Christ for yourself. That's your job. And so I pray that you will read your Bibles. Get yourself an old King James or maybe a new King James. Put them side by side. Read them and get out of, get, get, let the Lord, the Holy Spirit teach you for yourself. Stop believing all kinds of lies and trying to figure it out, putting the puzzle together yourself. The Holy Spirit has already put the puzzle together. Walk in love. God bless you guys. You have a great day. And remember, the war is for you. Love you. Bye.